Welcome to Muse on Scene, the podcast on how creatives do business. This is Zoe Omega. And I am Claire Michelle. Today we are talking to William Stanbro of Little Girl and the Robot. Uh, well, Zoe, what is Little Girl and the Robot? Little Girl and the Robot is a music composing company that focuses on female, LGBTQ, and BIPOC composers. They do film, commercials, and corporate videos. They have their fingers in a little bit of everything. William Stanbro has, well, as he puts it, started out as a nobody, kind of listening to uh, an eclectic mix of music, started composing uh, for choir, I think, at the, at the age of about 18, uh, and then went to Berkeley Music School, where he found himself traveling to LA, New York, Seattle, all for music composition in film and commercial work. And now he's got this agency. And at the end, we sort of like ask him just how like it is from the agent's perspective of getting artists work. And so if you do uh, hang out with us all the way to the end there, be sure to uh, let us know your thoughts in an email, museunseen at gmail.com. We would love, love, love to hear what you have to say about this interview. And I think that's it. I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Let's, uh, let's meet William. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, I'm fantastic. <laughs> how are you? Welcome to the yeah. podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited. I've been, um, <laughs> I've been binge watching all your YouTube videos. So. <laughs> oh, you have been? Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did you yeah. learn? What did you learn? Um, I think it was just really interesting um, as like a vocalist, uh, like changing your, your voice um, and, and yeah. the process of that was really, um, I never really thought of that. Um, it's, but, uh, it's intense. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it can, it's intense. Like I work with students yeah. who like, you know, it's like singers, uh, public speakers, it's people who, like politicians as well. And each person has their own like sort of like fundamental challenge of changing the voice to, you know, perceive, uh, be, um, fit their gender better. But then on the other side of it, it's like, also, how do you sing with it? How do you, how do you project yeah. to the back of the room with it and things like that? So it's, it's, yeah, it's exactly. fascinating. <laughs> so it's wonderful. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, um, sort of like how you started with this whole film composing and everything of the sorts that you've done. And just like, what's your whole life story? How does that all go for you? Uh, yeah, well, um, so I'm a freelance composer and producer uh, as well as a sound designer. Um, and I also mm -hmm. help run a production music agency called Little Girl and the Robot, which is based in um, LA and New York. Uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of like everyone else, I just always had music in my life. Um, I kind of had an eclectic group of music where my mom worked from home and she would have classical music on all the time. My dad would is like tone deaf and would only listen to like Irish music in the car. And then my brother would be playing like Beatles and the Doors and everything like that. So yeah. I just kind of had a broad uh, spectrum of, of music growing up. Um, never really thought I would go into music as a career, but I guess it was I was like 16 or 17. Uh, <laughs> I was in Mexico, actually, uh, every spring I would go and build houses there. And I was talking to a friend of mine, David, and he's like, so what are you planning on doing? And I was like, maybe, you know, 
go to business school, do the whole like mailroom business executive like thing. Right. Yeah. He's like, look at where you are right now. You have a guitar in your hand. It's like two o'clock in the morning under like skylight, under the stars, like in Mexico. Like, if I see you do that, I'm gonna kick your ass, basically. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, That's you're right. Nice. So I, being just like an angsty teen listening to like punk and power pop music, I was listening to a band called Cartel. I don't know if you ever heard okay. of them. And they have they have this really pretty song called Save Us, which is has like piano and strings and everything and mm -hmm. I just kept listening to it over and over again and I thought it'd be really cool as a as a choir piece um but I had no idea how to do that I was like how how does one do that how can I write this out everything like that so I kind of reached out to my community and found this amazing composer arranger he works for Hal Leonard basically any like okay. music book for pop songs and stuff he uh mm -hmm he's done the arranging for that. So over some time, he taught me how to, to notate and I just absolutely loved it. And, you know, for like my senior choir recital thing, got to conduct um, and like have like uh, the choir with a string quartet, a piano, guitar, drums, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I just was like, I really love doing this. I wanna keep doing this. And I always had music going on in my head and now I can actually notate it for the first time. So I just started writing and writing and writing. And uh, Joe was like, you know, this sounds a lot like film music. It's it's very thematic. You should look into it. So I, yeah, I just started like listening to everything I could. Hans Zimmer, uh, John Williams, Thomas Newman, Dave, uh, Danny Elfman. And was just like, how can I do this? Is there like a school I can go to? Is there a degree? And uh, at the time, it was only Berkeley College of Music, the actual bachelor's degree in film composition. So that was just the only school I applied to. I was like, that's the school I have to get no. into. <laughs> yeah, luckily, luckily got in. I'm still kind of shocked they did. But, so I, I, I want to, yeah, I want to yeah. clarify something here. You, you were writing um, choral pieces in your high school senior year. <laughs> Am I hearing that right? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, when I was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, when I was. Yeah, it's or seventeen. Yeah, I mean, I just it was well done. Yeah, it was just really cool. You know, once you kind of learn how to notate and how to write, it kind of just opens up an entire world for you. So yeah, I was just you know at home just writing music as much as I possibly could, and then I started writing stuff for like orchestras and everything, and I uh, was able to get into Berkeley and learned just tons of stuff from a bunch of uh, music professionals and all the top music gear, how to compose, orchestrate, how to use MIDI and synthesize and like all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, after I graduated, I just put everything in my car and drove out to uh, LA for a bit. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell us just a little bit about college then. Like during that time in college, did you feel like you were limited at all in your creative expression or did you feel like it was more freeing like it was when you found that notation? I think the major challenge was that I grew up in a small town and was just sort of like the music kid. And then you go yeah. to a big city and a college where everyone was the music kid and you start realizing, oh wow, I'm not really as good as I thought I was. <laughs> and that was that was super intimidating. Just being around some incredible, incredible musicians uh, was really humbling. 
I, I wouldn't really say it restricted anything because it, it really pushed me just to learn new genres of music and learn to experiment and just to like meet people and learn from them as well. Um, it, it's a really great community of, of musicians that you get to just hang out with all the time and jam all the time. So that was yeah, yeah, a really was, good experience. All right, you got to jam with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that kind of reminds me of something you mentioned that we all start out as nobodies. Did you kind of <laughs> get that from from that humbling experience in the college scene and then going to LA with no contacts? Yeah, definitely. It was funny. Like, I think any kind of creative, you know, it, it's kind of have have it has an ego <laughs> of some sort, and they kind of think like I'm going to be. You know the next John Williams. I'm I'm amazing. I just need to like get into that door. Just have that one opportunity where someone's just gonna like pick yeah. me up. And the reality is, is that's just not gonna happen. You're. It doesn't matter how good you are. People don't know who you are. You know, J.J. Uh, Abrams isn't gonna like just call you up and say, "Hey, I've never heard of you before or listened to any of your music." let's do a movie together, you know? After Berkeley, I felt like, oh yeah, I, just, I learned so much. I went to this amazing school. Like there's there's nothing I can't do. And then pretty much immediately realized that wasn't the case and that I needed a, a lot to, of, well, there's a lot that I needed to learn. So yeah, I think it's it's kind of a, I think for anyone, it's it's really important to realize that you have to do the work and you're, and I don't mean like in a bad way, but you kind of are a nobody and you have to figure out how do you become a somebody. There's, you know, you hear the saying all the time, like it says, uh, it's, you know, it's not what you do, it's who you know. But I don't, I don't even think it's that. I think it's more like who you meet, you know, it's how, yeah. how you build that community around yourself. And like, so how did, how did Berkeley for you then transition to LA then to get into that situation where you could, you know, start start working um, with like Little Girl and the Robot and all these other companies that you produce now and all the films you have, you have uh, for our viewers or our listeners rather, uh, <laughs> William has one, two, three, five, 11 posters of films on the wall so behind him. Awesome. Like, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. You know, just a few. Um, <laughs> I think because I had such a strong foundation from Berkeley, I was able to, I was basically just trying to find any composer I could work for. At one point I was working for five composers at the same time. Wow. And because of my education, <laughs> it was a little nuts. I was like going to Santa Monica, then having to cross all the way across to Burbank. It was, it was, it was, it was intense, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I was, fortunate enough to know how to do so much that I could go to a composer and just say hire me and I'll just be whatever you need like I can be your music editor I can be your orchestrator I can be your arranger you need me to write other music that kind of stuff um so that was that kind of got me in and then I just would be recommended by other composers uh in terms of like finding my own work that was that was definitely different. I like my home screen on my computer was Craigslist, like composer, you know, and just like writing as much as I could. Um, Berkeley has an alumni program. Uh, so you definitely like we'd have little like get togethers and you could kind of meet and see what everyone's up to. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the advantage of LA is that everyone is basically in the industry. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you can just kind of like find some random person and they're probably doing something in the industry. So that was, 
that was really nice. Then when you started working in LA and everything, is this kind of where you envisioned yourself like starting out? You kind of mentioned like, you know, starting, um, getting that one open door, right? And everything blossoms from that mm -hmm. one open door. So when you started, yeah. is this how you envisioned your start then? Not particularly. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to meet a lot of really great big composers and they just, they weren't who I expected. <laughs> kind of, um, it's a it's a very intense field. Uh, a lot of, you know, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of composers are these like workaholics who are just like go 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 go. Maybe on their like second or third divorce, some of them. <laughs> and I just was like, okay, so if I really want to go this one path to become someone huge, I don't think I would have necessarily the life that I wanted. And I, I, I think that's like kind of an important thing for people to think about is like, what kind of life do you want? What does success mean to you? And I had all these dreams and aspirations of being, you know, some huge A-list composer, but to actually become that, it's a lot of work that you have to sacrifice a lot. And um, I just, I kind of quickly realized, oh, this isn't, totally for me and I and what was important was finding just people that I liked and that were like good to me and sticking with them like so even I like I had all these opportunities to work on bigger projects I chose to work on smaller projects because of the people that's I felt like was like really important for me well it's like you know passion itself does not mean you know success passion is like you know yeah. just doing what you love and like, I remember some of my happiest memories are when I was making nothing in Seattle, but I was doing exactly what I wanted to be doing. It's like out photographing, playing music, doing everything that I needed to do, right? And then now it's like, okay, there's like more, the stakes are a little bit higher, but I'm still doing what I love. Yeah, and like that is kind of strangely hard to do. Um, I've seen a lot of people burn out who are just like, this is this is the way that I got to make my money. I have to be huge. I have to be big, and they're just going, going, going. And um, you know, I I always tell people that it's not really a matter of if you're gonna make it, but when. If yeah. if you're good at what you do and you put the work in, eventually you're gonna get get work to do. Um, people are gonna like find you and be like, oh, I really like your stuff. But that could take anywhere from four months to. 40 years unfortunately you just you don't really know so it's really important to understand that first and foremost it's a passion that you have but also you're going into an industry this is a business and so unfortunately a lot of times you know 90 95 percent of what i do is just sending emails to people um uh -huh. it's not actually always writing music and so that can kind of um just like burn people out when they they don't really think about how do you have the longevity in music yeah so how does passion keep you going even to sort of stop that burnout like do, how do you tap into that passion and that love mm -hmm. when you're starting to feel burnt out after the fifth hour of answering emails or whatever good question i think it's finding people that inspire you Honestly, I'm like always listening to music to other people and they always get me super hyped up like, oh, wow, that was really cool. How do I do that? And 
constantly learning, I think is a really big part of it. Just like, don't think that you know everything just because you went to college for it, like keep growing and growing. But yeah, for me, my biggest inspirations is I, I love collaborating and working with people and seeing their passion and their ability just hypes me up and keeps me going for sure. It's really that community. You know, I think there's this, so there's this idea of jealousy, you know, among artists or, you know, ego, you've talked a little bit about it earlier and things. And I, I imagine you've hit this point, you know, as well, but there's this point in time where you start to find instead of jealousy, camaraderie. And you're like, oh damn, like they just, they just did that thing. And like a part of you is like, oh, I wish I had that job. But then you look at your own work and you say like, oh, you know, it's just, it's not my avenue. It's not my strategy. It's not my whatever it is. And so, you know, yeah. like, do you feel like whether it be your business side or maybe somebody else's, you know, like, does it feel like sometimes you can like forget about your passion and just focus on the end goal? Or do you think like that community can bring you together with everybody? Um, yeah, it, it is. It's hard when you're struggling and you get on the social media and everyone seems like they're doing amazing stuff. It can be really hard and intimidating and feel jealous at times. But I think, again, like understanding who you are, where you want to be and understanding like that your path, you're on your path and it's going to take a while, really just allows you to have kind of more space to work with other people and not have it always just be about you or, or what you're doing. I'm really close with uh, like a handful of people and if they get anything like it's it's so amazing and I'm so happy for them and it just makes makes them better and you know will sometimes push me to push myself kind of out of the box a little bit thinking oh maybe I could try to do something like that as well so yeah it's kind of a give and take but <laughs> uh, I think I really think community is a huge really really beneficial at least especially for me so you mentioned so earlier that you're working with um little girl and the robot is that part, yes. <laughs> is that part of your community would you say uh, yes definitely um one of the composers that i i worked for uh was ginger shankar who's this incredible amazing com composer and businesswoman and um artist and everything and uh, i think it was about two and a half years in living in los angeles um my partner wanted to go have uh, pursue her master's degree in nutrition and she's from New York and wanted to move to New York for a little bit. And I was like really struggling with like, but I'm in LA, this is where I'm kind of doing everything. But around that time, Ginger was actually wanting to create this, this music production company. And a lot of it was going to be doing like corporate videos and commercials. And a lot of her contacts were in New York. So it actually really worked out that I could move to New York and work there, be like the face of the company on that side and, and meet people there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I work with my community. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, anyone who is friends with me, who's a musician, I will be giving them work. They'll be giving me work. We just, we just do stuff together because I enjoy being around them. And I think, I think that's really important is to, to have fun, uh, be around people that inspire you, that make it make it more fun, and um, you just end up working for them like constantly. So tell me a little bit more about Little Girl and the Robot. They focus on underrepresented creatives. 
Yeah, it's a, a woman minority owned business. And we like to focus a lot on women composers as well as um, people of color, people of the LGBTQIA plus community, uh, really just trying to give representation to people that don't always get a seat in the, in the room. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's, it, we kind of do a bunch of stuff. It's, it's getting bigger and bigger, but we do corporate videos, um, commercials, trailers, as well as have this extensive music library that we have, we license music all over the world. And then we just like to find artists, like we're very artist run. Um, artists always come first and we just try to find people that are really cool, really unique and you know, get their music out there as much as we can. So how does like, you know, it look from behind the scenes when an artist comes in and starts to work with you, how does that process like go from beginning middle to end you meet you meet them and you just kind of see if you can jive like you either yeah. are writing music together or you just really get inspired by the music that they're already creating and then just getting to know them as people um i i that's kind of a big thing again with community and, and everything like that is just like who who is this person who is this person like as an actual individual and yeah because you're going to be working with them. And if they're, you know, just like all about themselves and, and just want to like get every, everything for themselves, it's not really fun to work with. And so I think that's kind of a big thing of anyone that we, we bring on, we get to really know them as people first. From the business side, then, then how does it, yeah. from the business side, then how does that relationship start to evolve? Like, is it emails back and forth? Is it like, hey, let's go to the studio and record a new tune. Like, this is what the client wants. How does that look from like that side? Um, yeah, so so basically we will get a bunch of pitches for various work from clients saying that they really want, you know, a hip hop track. So we will then reach out to uh, producers and people that we know who do hip hop and say like, hey, this is what they're looking for. Can you just send us? stuff that you already have, or if you're willing to write something, um, you know, like with, with like commercials and stuff, there's always like demo fees and stuff. So we can actually give money to the artists to make a demo. Um, and yeah, by, by doing that, we get to kind of see how they work, uh, how, like how quickly or, or efficiently they can work. And, um, yeah, then it's just, you know, they will come to us sometimes be like, hey, I just dropped this new song or this new album. You should check it out. Do you want it in the library? Or we'll be asking for like specific styles of music. Sometimes we'll just be given like examples of music from the client. And then we'll just bring that and say, can you do something in a similar So do you prioritize then the efficiency of the of the artist as well? Like, is that something that like, you know, if you're if you're a music listener listening to this podcast or a music writer listening to the podcast, like is something, you know, is that something that artists should be striving for as efficiency in their in their process? Um, especially in the film world and in the commercial world, it is crazy deadlines. Like sometimes you'll do a movie and you have to write an hour worth of music in three weeks, or you have two hours to get some music for a commercial. Um, 
it's crazy yeah. <laughs> and it's and so having someone that you can trust and just mm -hmm. say like hey can you give us a track in five hours or by tomorrow and them actually doing that is really important so efficiency is good and I think that just comes with if you're good at what you do and you're doing it all the time you should be able to do yeah. that um <laughs> you know it like let's go like going back to like hip-hop or something like these producers that we work with are making beats every single day and are sampling every single day they have a huge extensive library of stuff that they have so we can just go to them and they're like oh yeah like I can totally pop that out real quick it, it's it's kind of important at least with that world we unfortunately don't have like the luxury of you know sitting under a tree and being like oh what like what should I write and like writing yeah. each right. note as like inspiration yeah, um it's like it's like go 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 no that's the thing you know yeah yeah you hear it all the time I with I, yeah me too yeah it is it's you know as as kids you know we think about you know it's just like I'm gonna wait for inspiration to strike I'm gonna wait for inspiration to strike and I don't know about you yeah. but I didn't have like you know my parents were more like oh you're good at music here let me give you opportunities as opposed to oh you're good at music go do them like go go yeah. into the you know go into the swamp or go into the thick of it right um and so you know it was something that i never learned that efficiency behind music and for me you know music is very much like it's an emotional process and for a while there i did try to you know get the get the music thing going i was like releasing music releasing albums and things and i turned around and i was like i don't like that so there was something there that i just it, it started to become less about how you know music was always a release in my in my life and i i had to i had to step back from that side because i i realized that it was not where i wanted to be do you run into people who kind of have like this ambition this feeling this like you know this drive and then they turn around that they're not quite there how do you deal with like people like that it's sort of a business and you're making a product um, and I think, again, that kind of goes to really understanding, again, what what does music mean to you? Mm -hmm. what, is, uh, what is the life that you kind of want? And understanding like, hey, maybe I don't want to just write every single day and not love the music that I'm doing. Um, but at the same time, I think, uh, and, and especially for like film music, I've met a lot of people who don't realize that music isn't the most important thing in the movie and that you're writing for the movie. And so they'll be like, oh, but I'm great. And I have to write all this stuff and check out these melodies. And it's like, that's not gonna yeah. fit. <laughs> um, so, so kind of like, yeah, having that understanding of uh, you're, you're gonna have days where you're gonna have to write music and you're not gonna be inspired. So you have to really count on just your experience and knowledge. How has like the pandemic and things affected everything going on then with with, I mean, yeah, your, the I mean, business side of it, the creative side of it, like there's so, it's, it's just this elephant in the room, right? It's like, oh, it it's, um, it's been really, really crazy. Uh, in yeah. terms of film, like all production just stopped. And so all these projects that we had just haven't, it took a year for them to come back. So it kind of was a huge hit business-wise and like financially being like, oh, wow, like, I don't have work coming in. One slight advantage that we did run into was we were creating um, this kind of companion album to a documentary called And She Could Be Next. 
and mm -hmm. we wanted to use music from the film and then create them into songs and then find really awesome artists to to play on them and because of covid everyone was at home and wasn't touring so we were we had the ability to actually reach out to really cool people and them being like yeah i totally have nothing going on right now that was really nice um but yeah i mean this this is a really really hard time and it's not normal at all and i think a thing that i've been seeing a lot with creatives is they feel like oh like this is a time where i get to be at home and i should just be creating constantly and i have all this free time i can just go 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 but creatives are very like we go find our we create our products with emotions and when you're having every single day just hearing about people dying and crazy politics and everything it just is so draining and you're not going to find this like energy to want to create unless you're like maybe a metal band or something <laughs> right Ang angry music all the time um, well like i pretty much just i'm just hitting my piano at yeah, the same time just down, down, down. Um, but I think I think that that's totally okay. And I, one thing I would like to get out there is that if you're creative and you're not creating right now, that is totally fine because this is really, really un. This is just new territory that we are all coping with this in our own way. And even if it hasn't maybe hit you directly, where you've gotten COVID or you you're someone you know has gotten COVID or it's affected your work, like it's still affecting you and it's affecting everyone. And so just, you know, be, be kind to yourself. Yeah, seriously, good advice. Uh, you know, I was talking a little bit ago about that inspiration that I, you know, find in things and, and you hit the nail on the head. It's like, you know, artists find it like, you know, we're go, go, go. You know, we think about like how the world is affecting us. And you mention it, like if you're angry, you're going to write angry music. If you're happy, you're going to write happy music and things. And you're right. I didn't put that into like perspective there, but for the last year and a half, like I've been kind of beating myself up because I haven't been writing. But at the same time, I also yeah. haven't had like those moments. Like this morning, I was at a, I was at a little coffee shop and this, this touristy woman orders three mimosas and she's drinking all of them and I'm like, that would make a great song. Like, look at this lady just living life. Like that moment inspired me in that. And it was so small and little tiny moments like that. You don't realize once you start kind of getting into the thick of it, you don't realize that you are inspired by little moments throughout the day. They're not these massive like weights anymore, but they're small moments yeah. that we just all of a sudden were separated from. There was nothing there. We were stuck in our homes, you know, sitting at a computer saying like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make a new beat. About what? About what? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what being an artist is, is being able to experience the world and then articulate that in whatever medium you have. And if you're just stuck, I mean, you're just maybe just gonna write a bunch of like, weird like music about yourself <laughs> like, i mean there's a lot of introspection going on so i mean people are gonna do that i mean some people are that the people that are just writing and writing and writing they're just it's easy for them <laughs> to do that um yeah but 
yeah, I, I, it's, it's been really, really weird. And for me, it's like, I, I can, if I need to just write, and again, I kind of go back to just like what I know, um, music's, you know, a language and for film, you know, if you have a scary scene, there's certain things you do to make it scary or there's certain things you do for a love scene and stuff like that. So you can intellectually do it, but um, to want to express how you're feeling or everything that can get really hard when you just feel gray, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so that's, that's a really, it's, it's been really interesting and I've been trying to do what I can, but I've also just been trying to like, give myself a break and just say like it's okay <laughs> it's okay that you don't you're not creating suffering now. so then somebody mentioned to me last month that we're in the COVID end times so then with everything that's kind of wrapping up now you know we're starting to see people come back businesses are starting to think of, think about getting back into the swing of things so what's next for you then and uh, little girl and the robot how does that wh- what's on your plan what's on your strategy uh, yeah, we're, I mean, I'm hoping that we're just going to get uh, more like shows and movies, basically. <laughs> just Right now, it's just sort of like a waiting game. And um, I think COVID has kind of given us time to, you know, kind of do some paperwork. And uh, there's a bunch of soundtrack albums that we're wanting to release from movies that we've done that we just have never really had the time to go back, edit them for just audio, like listening purposes and stuff. So we'll be hopefully dropping a few soundtrack albums. Um, And yeah, like, I just can't wait to go back to LA and like work with an actual like string piece again (laughs) and and work with like real live musicians. That's, that's been kind of the hardest thing. I am sort of like, I, I do like being in like my studio and working at home and stuff like that. But as I said, like, I really get my inspiration and energy from other people. So I just, I really want to just be in a room (laughs) and create. And I think that's what's just going to happen. I think all of us are just going to get together and we're just going to play and (laughs) figure out, like, what are we doing? It's going to feel really good. I just wanted to thank you, William, for being on the podcast today. Uh, It was a treat to have you. And it's wonderful to hear everything that you've uh, you've done and kind of like, you know, how you've started from, as you put it, like from nothing. And now you're starting to build this nice company. You're starting to get work with everything. And it's it was interesting to see how it worked uh, kind of like, you know, from from the opposite side as well, because there's some mystery in that regard. So thank you. I just wanted to appreciate I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah thank um, you so much. Where can we find you? online how can we hear some of your Uh, music see where your projects go yeah definitely um i mean i think all my social media is is just william stambro um you can get in touch with me on my website williamstambro.com um i have a few albums in uh on like spotify and itunes uh and yeah i guess those are probably the best places to to meet me and if anyone wants to just work and create music like please just go onto my website hit me up I, I really love meeting new people especially in seattle i don't get to work with as many seattle people as i'd like so yeah we'll uh we'll share that information around <laughs> okay.
Where, what, what pieces of advice uh, would you give to artists who are just starting out in this field? Figure out what your values are. <laughs> I think we get really, really caught up on our passion and we don't realize who we, who we really are and what's important to us. Um, and if you don't know that, you're gonna get yourself into really sticky situations. Really do self work and figure out who you are. It's, that's been a journey. And I, and I definitely went from thinking my life was gonna be one way to, you know, in Los Angeles and then somehow I ended up in New York and now I'm in Seattle. You know, I did not expect to be here, but I am extremely happy that I am. And those, with the life that I have and, and stuff and the people that I'm with. So really kind of like spend some time to know yourself before you get into this world where everyone's taking from you. <laughs> great advice thank you so much appreciate it thank you so much yeah yeah thank you so much all right bye william have a nice night see you bye thank you for listening to muse unseen the podcast on how creatives do business this has been zoe omega and i have been claire michelle we want to thank you for listening and thank william for being on the podcast as well it was really nice to hear like I don't know, it just kind of gave me a little bit of solace to know that uh, it's okay to not be creative during the pandemic. It was bugging me. I don't know if it's been bugging you, but it sure feels good to have, uh, have somebody else kind of say that. It is okay. It's all right. You're hanging in there. You're doing good. So if you are interested in uh, finding us on, uh, well, anywhere else for that matter, we have some news. We uh, actually took ourselves off of Facebook and Twitter by talking to all of these artists and everybody in between, we've started to realize that less is more. And so you can find us now at our parent site, Little Greg Cat, and that'll be on Facebook and Twitter, or as always, museunseen.com. If you are interested in being on the podcast, you can email us at museunseen at gmail.com. And we would like to thank our sponsor, Tidal Artist Haven, T-I-D-A-L artisthaven.org or title artist haven on facebook they are a small creative nonprofits in seattle washington thank you so much for listening it's been a blast and we'll see you next month bye bye